Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. Grab a Bible and something to take notes. All spiritual people take notes in church. Only heathens don't. So look down the row. You see all the heathens. (laughs) So (laughs) take good notes today. I hope to walk you out. So I spent the last two weeks... Giving you six ways I think we end up in the cave of depression. We've sort of made uh, our camp around the idea of being in a cave. And we've talked about how to get, uh, how, how our lives sort of get us in depression and anxiety. Uh, I told you that uh, the majority of scientists agree. Um, uh, there's only, there's nine factors all psychologists think are contributors to depression. Only two of them are biological or chemical. The other seven are lifestyle. Right, so uh, we always amplify the biology. Well, I'm just this way, or I just I struggle with anxiety, and sometimes that's true. And I'm not minimizing the biology or the chemistry, but I'm telling you, there's some other ways we get ourselves into the cave. Can I get a good amen, everybody? And I'm trying to walk you out of there. So I spent the last two weeks giving you six ways that I think we we end up in the cave of depression and anxiety. Today, I want to give you five ways to get out of the cave. I want to I want to help you walk into the light. We have been studying the life of Elijah. I'll catch you up as fast as I can. Elijah in the book of 1 Kings uh, uh, 17, 18, 19, you hear this story of Elijah who has these major victories in his life. 1 Kings 18, Elijah has this major victory on the top of Mount Carmel. Uh, the, the prophets of Baal are taunting the God of Israel. And Elijah is the prophet of the God of Israel. And uh, the prophets of Baal are cutting themselves and dancing and singing and trying to get their God to respond and accept their sacrifice. And you know the story that didn't happen, but Elijah pours water all over his sacrifice, douses it in water, calls down fire from heaven. The God of Israel responds in this big, massive way. Then he defeats all 850 prophets with the sword. Now that's quite a spiritual victory. Right after this, Elijah prays for God to end a three-year drought, and God does just that. He had prayed to start the drought, and then he prayed for the drought to end. So Elijah has these major spiritual victories and these huge wins in his spirit. And three verses later, listen, three verses after these huge mountaintop experiences... King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, the evil king and queen of Israel at the time, hear that the prophets of Baal have been slaughtered, and they send a message to Elijah. Now, I taught you this, but let me remind you, they did not send an assassin, they sent a message. It's amazing how little can get me in the cave of depression. It's amazing just one comment on Facebook can send my world spinning. Are you with me, everybody? Just that one text message, just that one phone call, just that one thing that sends me, that one negative thing that sends me down this spiral. And and, and all Jezebel did was send a messenger to Elijah, and she said, I'm going to kill you because of what you did to the prophets of Baal. Three verses after Elijah is on the mountaintop in these big spiritual victories, Elijah is running for his life, depressed, and scared to death, and suicidal. And he finds himself on the edge of the desert in a cave. 
And I like the metaphor of a cave and depression. Doesn't depression feel like a cave, honestly, sometimes? It's very dark. It's very damp. It's, you can see in the distance the mouth of the cave, but you're disoriented. You're not really sure how to get out of where you are. Depression's like this. I, I know that there's a way I can see life. I can see people out there enjoying. I can see joy and happiness, but... I don't know how to get out of this cave. I found myself deep into here. There's bats. I'm certain there's bats in here. You know what I mean? Like you're scared of things inside that your mind starts fearing things inside of the cave of depression. And so that's where the story has ended. Elijah is scared to death. And and I gave you six ways I think he found himself in this cave of depression. I want to help you step into the light today. I'll pick the story up where... We left off in 1 Kings 19. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. If you don't, you can look on the screen behind me. The Bible says it like this. Then he lay down, Elijah, under the bush. Remember, he goes to a broom bush, a real small tree. He lays down under the bush, and he fell asleep. And all at once, I don't know how long he slept, but at some point, all at once, an angel touched him and said, Now wait, look at my eyes and not at the screen. When an angel touches me, I'm thinking the angel's going to say, Heretofore, man of God. You know what I mean? Like, I think angels are, they speak in King James English. You know what I mean? Like, getteth thou uppeth off the ground and walketh this wayeth. You know, I, like, I, I think it was supposed to be big and spiritual. And I want you to, this is in your Bible. I want you to catch the big spiritual encounter he has with the angel. So he lays down under the bush, falls asleep. All at once the angel touched him. And she said, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Get up and eat. <laughs> that ought to be a life verse for you to grab a hold of today, everybody. Get up and eat. And then I don't know why this has never happened to me, but Linda, I've asked God to give me this kind of miracle. He looked around, so his head is still laying down. He looks around, and there's bread right there. I don't know why that's never happened to me, but one day I've asked God to give me the miracle of just fresh, hot bread beside me. Notice that God is not on keto. Can I get a better amen to everybody? When God shows up, He does not show up with kale. He shows up with fresh, hot Bread, and it wasn't gluten-free. It was hot off the coals and a jar of water. Now catch this whole scenario. So he ate, and he drank, and he laid down again. I love this. This is my favorite. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, My favorite verse, get up. And eat. (laughs) Now underline this. Listen. Because the journey is too much for you. Let me pause here and look at you and tell you. There's a reason why God has blessed you. And it's not just for what you're currently in. It's for what you're walking through. God never gives you something just for you. He gives you something for the future. He always gives you something more than you'll need. God is not the God of just enough to get through today. God's the God of more than enough to get me through what's next in my life. You don't have to live every day thinking, I hope I make it through today. God, please don't let me kill my kids today. God, don't let, me, don't let my marriage fall apart today. Don't let me lose everything today. No, no, no. God said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you enough for now and enough for later. I'm going to give you enough for the journey that you've got. It's too much for you. So he got up and he ate and drank. And then here's what the Bible says, strengthened by that food, he traveled 
40 days, 40 nights. Until he reached Horeb. I'll get back to the mountain of Horeb in a moment. Here's what I want you to see. The first thing, I want you to write it down just this way. Here's the first way you walk out of the cave. I'm getting you out of depression. Never underestimate the spiritual power of a nap and a snack. Did you catch that? Don't ever underestimate how spiritual it is. Come on, that's a word for somebody today. How spiritual it is to just lay your head down and take a nap. And the angel woke him up and said, go get something to eat. He said, I think I will. And he got something to eat and then he laid back down a second time. And the angel woke him back up and said, go get something to eat. And he said, I think I will. There's something powerful. Listen to me. There's something powerful about God fixing a physical health issue first before he gives him the solution to his depression. Sometimes you and I are not healthy enough to receive in our bodies what God wants to give us. And God loves you so much. He's so concerned about you. He said, I'll give you the solution. I'll save your life in a moment. But i got to nurse you back to health to begin with. There are times, listen to me, in your life when you are so emotionally sick you couldn't receive the solution if I gave it to you. Are you still there? You couldn't receive it if God gave it to you. You're not in a place. Now listen, I'm not telling you you got to clean up before God meets your need. I'm not telling you that. I am telling you that God loves you enough to meet your physical, emotional exhaustion so that you get enough strength together so that He can touch your life. Some of you want to take spiritual steps. You want to call the counselor tomorrow and get in therapy. But you're physically and emotionally too drained to do it. And God said, I'll tell you what. I'll meet you right there. I'll give you a nap and a snack and I'll fill you up so that you have the strength to step into the future that you need. Shout amen to that everybody. God loves you enough to say I'm, you're not healthy enough right now. I want you to get healthy so that I can then give you some solutions. If you're looking at a transplant patient, if you know somebody who uh, is going to receive a kidney, uh, oftentimes they'll receive a good kidney and their body is so sick and unhealthy that it does what? It rejects it. It's not because the kidney was wrong. It's because the body wasn't healthy enough to receive the good thing. And there's sometimes in your life when you know the spiritual solution and steps to take, but you're not healthy enough. You need some strength in your body. You need God to step in and give you. Here's the first thing. Write this down. You need to step into what I call a needed recovery. A recovery season. There's sometimes in your life you just need a nap. You just need a break. You just need a good meal together. You just can I get a better amen? I just need to strengthen myself. I just need a needed recovery. I don't know anything about this, but I've heard from runners who run marathons. I don't know why you would do that, but anyway, there are people who run on purpose. If you catch me outside running, call somebody because somebody's after me. But there are other people who run on purpose outside. And I was talking to somebody in my small group, true story, just the other day, uh, last week in our small group about running a half marathon, 13.1 miles. I think I could run the 13. It's the point one that really uh, throws me off. And so he was talking about running a half marathon. And he said, Pete, he gets to the end of the half marathon. Dawn, I think we were talking, and you're uh, talking about running a half marathon with you. And you get to the end, and he said he crossed the finish line, and they, and they, ha- they gave him chocolate milk. 
Anybody, any runner can attest to this? One. <laughs> Y'all are all my people. I love it. Well, I love it. They give me chocolate milk. And I said, why in the world, at the last thing I want after running 13.1 miles is chocolate milk. But listen, it's a recovery agent to your body. God said, I want to give you some. There's some stuff you need. You've been running so long into this depression and anxiety. And you're exhausted so much. Some of us need to just step into a needed recovery. A season where God goes, hey, I'll I'll give you some strength and some grace in this. I'm going to lift you up. You're not even ready to receive all the healing I have for you. You just need to recover from what happened to you. Shout amen to that, everybody. You just gotta, you gotta decide. I'm gonna recover. I'm gonna take some time. I'm gonna take control of my life. If you don't prioritize your life, somebody else will. If you don't prioritize your life, the business will. If you don't prioritize your life, your job will. If you don't prioritize your life, sports will. School will. Retirement will. There's some, the bills will. Money will. Somebody will prioritize your life. That's why the psalmist said, David said in Psalm 90 and 12, Teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are so that we can spend them as we should. I want to make sure my life's in order. Because I, I got to get recovered enough to receive. Are you there? Say amen. The first step you're going to have to take to get out of the cave is to step into a needed recovery. A season where you go, I'm not well, but I got to get well. By the way, that's what worship does. By the way, that's why I want you to be here for worship every weekend is because it's a needed recovery. It rebuilds the muscles that have been torn down. I tell you this all the time, but outside those doors, it's hell, everybody. When you get in the presence of God, it ought to be as close to heaven as you can possibly be. It builds you up and recovers you. Say amen to that. Okay, so, so he eats and he sleeps and he sleeps and he eats. 1 Kings 19 and 9. Just, we're just going to go right through the story and I'm going to tell you how to get out of the cave. So there he went into a cave and spent the night. There, there, there it is. And the word of the Lord came to him. I love how God talks to Elijah. I wish he would talk to me like this. The word of the Lord came to him and said, um, what are you doing here? <laughs> I think that's the best. What are you doing here, Elijah? Why are you, why are you in this cave? And Elijah did what uh, most of us do when God has a question for us. By the way, when God asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. It's because you don't know the answer. So God's not asking for his knowledge. He's asking for your knowledge. So he said, Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord. I love how (laughs) he immediately starts telling God all I've done right. God. I have been very zealous, and the Israelites, those backslidden heathens, have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death, and I'm the only one left. And this is not fair. I did all the right things. And she still left. I did everything right. And my son still went crazy. I did all you told me to do. And I'm the only one. And now they're trying to kill me. Just complaining. and Griping. and 
telling God all he had done? You ever done that or is it just me? You ever gotten so low and said, okay, God, really, this is what you're going to do after all I've done for you? After all the stuff I've been through, now you're going to do this? And that's exactly what Elijah did. I love how God never answers stupidity. <laughs> God's, God doesn't even address it. He, the Lord said, okay, go out. Stand on the mountain. Underline this in your Bible. In the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after the wind there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. Y'all thought earth, wind, and fire. Y'all thought they came up with that. That was God's idea. (laughs) Earth, wind, and fire. Anyway. After the fire came a gentle whisper. Remember, Elijah, the Bible said, he goes to the mountain of God. He goes back to Horeb. Mount Horeb is the same mountain as Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai. Where have I heard Mount Sinai? Mount Sinai is where God gives the Ten Commandments. It's where God's presence dwells. It's the place where the presence of the Lord would meet with people. Now, the presence of God lives on the inside of you and I as a believer. But in the Old Testament, the presence of God had a physical location. And it was on the Mount of Horeb. And God said, that's where I'm going to reveal myself to you. And he said, Elijah, after you've recovered, after you got some sleep and you got some food in you, I want you to, here's the second thing, write this down. I want you to step into a God encounter. You need to step into the presence of God. If you're going to walk out of depression and anxiety and fear and worry and all of that stuff, you're going to have to walk into the presence of of God. You need an encounter with God. God showed Elijah, here's all the power of the earthquake and power of the fire and power of the wind. But God's presence was in a still small voice. I'm amazed at the number of people who expect that when God's going to pull you out of depression, He's going to do it with lightning and there's going to be an angel show up and somebody's going to tell you, God told me to tell you you're supposed to not be depressed. That's not the way it happened. It was a still small voice. Write it down like this. We look for the dynamic, but God is in the intimate. Often God is in intimate times in your life. Often I get out of the the cave of depression when I get into the presence of God. And it doesn't always have to happen here. As a matter of fact, some of the most times I get myself out of the cave of depression is when I'm driving around in that truck. Now listen, if you see me in that truck, there's a couple of things. I didn't put my City Hill sticker on it yet because I was still trying for God to deliver me from road rage. I'm almost there, and then when that happens, I'm going to put my sticker on my truck. But, but you'll see me in my truck. You'll think it's road rage. It's, sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes I just got worship music on as loud as I can get it, and I'm talking to God, and I'm talking to myself, and I'm getting myself in the presence of God. The Bible said he he stood on the edge of the mountain, and the presence of the Lord was there. There are some times in your life where you're going to have to learn how to cultivate the encounter, the presence of God in your own life. That God, this world's getting crazy. God, my family's falling apart. God, I'm in depression. God, I'm dealing with anxiety. And you're going to have to learn how to turn that worship music up. Turn you on some preaching. Turn on something. Turn on God's word. Reading out loud to you and your version Bible application. And get into the presence of God for yourself. So the still small voice 
of the presence of God can speak to you. Now sometimes it's wind and sometimes it's fire and sometimes it's an earthquake. But most times it's an intimate, still, small voice. The greatest antidepressant there is in the world is the presence of God. Shout amen to that everybody. The greatest, I'm not telling you don't take your medicine. I'm just telling you the greatest antidepressant I know is to lift your hands and say, God, I need help right now. I'm alone right now. I don't know what to do right now. And the presence of God <sighs> comes rushing in. And Elijah steps out of the, the first step out of the cave was into the presence of God. That's why church is so important. That's why being here is so important. That's why worship is so important. Because I get out of the cave and, and, and I get this intimate whisper from God. On Mount Carmel, remember in 1 Kings 18, it was on Mount Carmel that God showed up for everybody else. But it was on Mount Horeb when God showed up for Elijah. It was on Mount Carmel when he called down fire and killed all those prophets. Man, it was spectacular to everybody in Israel. But on Mount Horeb, nobody else was there. It was special to Elijah. And there are going to be some times in your life, if you're ever going to walk out of depression fully, if you're going to walk out of anxiety, you're going to walk out of fear, you're going to walk out of worry. It's going to be because you cultivate the private, powerful presence of God in your life. Say amen to that. Here's what happens next. I shouldn't have told you I had five because now you're counting them down. Here's what happens next. First Kings 19 and 13. So Elijah heard it. Watch this. Elijah hears the small whisper. He hears the voice of God. And the Bible said... He pulled his cloak over his face. He hid himself and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, <laughs> I love how God talks to Elijah again. He goes, what are you doing here, Elijah? <laughs> I think it's the best. What are, you, what are you doing to your face right now? Why are you hiding your face? And Elijah has the gall to say the same exact thing to God. Y'all don't do this because you're much more spiritual than Elijah. But Elijah just complained again. He said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death. I'm the only one left and they're trying to kill me too. You ever had to remind God about why your life is terrible? God, you must have forgot but I'm still down here and I'm still married to an idiot. God, you must have forgot I was born into this family and I don't know what to do and now here we are. God, you must have forgot I lost my job. We don't have any money. Now what am I supposed to do? And Elijah goes, God, here I am. Only one left. Now they're trying to kill me, but he's covered his face. Your face is where you're most recognized. It is your identity. It's who you are. You're able to see who somebody is when you look at their face. It's what they look like. And Elijah has this false identity. It's where your identity is. He had this flawed understanding of himself and reality. He was covering his eyes to what was really going on. He thought it was all about him and all about my problems and all about me. Here's the third step you're going to take. Write this down. If you're going to walk out of the cave, you've got to step into a true identity. You can't cover who you really are. You've got to step into who God says you are. 
You can't keep comparing who you are to them. Research talks about uh, uh, online and social media that we raise a whole generation of young people who have a false precept of who they are and they have a false identity of who they are and they compare themselves to somebody else. I told you it's peer-to-peer mentoring and, and, they're, and they're worried about their identity based on who somebody else is. And now, here's the dirty little secret, those young people have become young adults and now they're in the workforce and now they have a false identity about who they are and they believe a narrative that isn't true about themselves and if you're ever going to walk out of the cave you can't believe what somebody else says about you what somebody else labeled you what somebody else has what somebody else is walking through you got to go God you tell me who I am God tell me what I'm supposed to do God tell me what you see in me not what I see in me you got to step into a true identity say amen to that that's the third way to step out of the cave now I got 10 minutes I got to preach the last two and they're my favorite and somebody's going to come play really slow music, and that's the cue that I'm almost done. So if you ever wondered, wonder when he's going to be done, when they start playing the funeral music. <laughs> Don't ever underestimate that you may need to recover before you can be helped. It's why I love a church like this where you can come and you can sit, you can be in the presence of God and build up. The Bible talks about building up your most holy faith. There's got to be a season of your life where you just recover and you step into this needed recovery that you, that you need. And God feeds Elijah, gives him a, a nap. Feeds him again, gives him a nap. And, and then you're going to have to learn how to, if you're going to walk out of depression, if you're going to walk out of the cave of anxiety and worry and fear and deep depression and darkness, then you're going to have to walk into the presence of God. You're going to have to step into a God encounter that changes everything in your life. The third one is you're going to have to step into a true identity, who God says that you are, and then God responds even more. Verse 15. And the Lord said to him, underline this in your Bible, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. Look at me. There're going to be some things in your life that you have left that when you were doing them were helping you. And what got you into the cave is that you stopped doing what kept you out of the cave. And God tells Elijah, "I want you to go back the way you came." In other words, I want you to go back and find Jesus in the book of Revelation. He tells one of the seven churches of Revelation, he says, I want you to go back to your first love. I want you to go back to that thing that you used to do. I want you to go back the way that you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. Now listen, look at me. If I could give you one way to get out of the cave, if all, I got five. If I could give you one today, if, if, you, if you held me down and said... Like, I got to, today, like, tell me what to do to get out right now. I, I'm in a desperate spot. I got to get out of here right now. Tell me what to do. This would be it. Okay? So if you want to know, if I, if I got to pick one, Chris, this would be the one I picked. And I'll show you why. God says, Elijah, get in the presence of God. Hear the voice of God. Go back the way you came. And when you get there watch this get back to work 
Elijah, you're a prophet. And prophets anoint kings. So go anoint Haziel, king over Aram. When you're done with that, go anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. When you're done with that, go anoint Elijah, son of Shaphat, from Abel Mahola, to succeed you as the prophet. Jehu's going to put to death anybody who escapes the sword of Haziel. Elijah's going to put to death anybody who escapes the sword of Jehu. I'll deal with the future, Elijah. By the way, I've reserved 7,000 more prophets in Israel. I like how God addresses it all at the end. He goes, by the way, you're not all by yourself. I got 7,000 more just like you in Israel who haven't bowed their knee to Baal. But Elijah... If I'm going to get you out of this depression, listen, I hope, you, I hope you catch this for you. Don't make it just about some Bible character. I hope you catch, I'm giving you practical steps out of depression in the cave of anxiety and worry in your life. You've got to step, you've got to walk, Elijah, you're a prophet, and prophets anoint kings. And the fourth way for you to step out of the cave is to step into a new assignment. If I could only give you one thing to do, Mandy to get out of the cave it would be this one it would be God created you on purpose and he gave you something to do with your life and he gave you a mission to be on and Elijah you're never fully going to heal from the depression I'm preaching to somebody in this room right now you're never fully going to heal from the depression that you went through until you step into what I've called you to do And the reason why you're still in the cave, depressed, worried, anxious, you can't figure it out. I don't know why I can't get rid of this. I have good days, and then I fall back into depression. I have decent days, and then I feel like I can't can't see daylight again. My question to you is, what are you doing for God? Because the easiest way to step out of depression is to step into a new assignment. Is to say, God... What do you have for me? Psychologists call it the power of a project. If you've ever been to a psychologist, I have. If you've ever been to a counselor, I have. They'll give you you homework. Now listen, here's a dirty little secret. We have Christian uh, counselors that come to our church. But here's the secret about that. They don't really care about the project. (laughs) They just want you to do something. Right? So they give you homework. Why? Because when I'm distracted by the project, I walk out of my depression. God knew that 6,000 years ago when he told Elijah. Elijah, go back to work anointing kings. Quit staying here depressed and worried about all that you lost. Would you let me prophesy to you? Would you just receive this? Some of you are still mourning a job that you lost. Some of you are still mourning a marriage that failed. Some of you are still mourning a child that it didn't work out like you thought it would and they didn't. Some of you are still mourning 2020. Some of you are still mourning the pandemic. Some of you are still mourning the loss of a loved one. Some of you are still mourning that life didn't turn out the way you thought it would. You walked out of college with a plan and the plan didn't work. Some of you are still mourning the heartbreak and the hurt and the hell of this world. And God says, Elijah, get up. Dust yourself off. Get some recovery. Get in the presence of God. And then get back to work. And the the quickest, I'm telling you, the quickest way out of depression is to serve somebody 
God hardwired you to walk out of your cave. That's why Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. You'll die without a dream. Josh, you'll die without dreams inside of you. Look at me. I'm teaching men today. You'll die without a dream. I'm asking you to reawaken, Morgan, something on the inside of you. That thing that you set beside. You can't figure out this dark cloud that's been over you. I can't figure out why I can't seem to shake this feeling. Let me go back the way I came. And let me go get back on mission. And anoint the king. Victor Frankel, I told you about this Christian psychologist after World War II who took a a focus group of Holocaust survivors who were suicidal and he uh, uh, created what he called the logotherapy, uh, giving them purpose. By the way, not one of them after going through logotherapy committed suicide after living through the atrocity of the Holocaust. He said this. He said, people have enough to live by. They just have nothing to live for. (laughs) Money's not your problem. Career is not your problem. Marriage is not your problem. You've got to have something to live for. You can have means and no meaning. You've got to get on assignment. Here's the last step, and I'm, and I'm done. Here, here's, here's the last thing. Come here. Come here. Hurry, Dustin. Hurry. 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 Faster than that. Stand right there. You kind of look like an Old Testament prophet. <laughs> Stand right there. Verse 19. So Elijah went from there. I love how quickly Elijah obeys the voice of God. I'm telling you, be quick to say yes to God. Be quick to do what God tells you to do. Elijah went from there and he found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing 12 oaks of yoxen, whatever that looks like. Plow. I think you're actually riding the oxen, but that's fine. He was plowing 12 yoke of oxen. And he himself was driving the 12th pair. Now watch this. Don't, don't, Don't miss this. And Elijah went up to him, Elisha. Took his coat off. Now watch this. This is very interesting language. And the Bible said he put his coat around him. Now look at me. Look at me. Not one more time from this moment till Elijah goes to heaven do we ever see him depressed again. Why? Because the last thing you have to do, write it down just like this, is step into relational strength. You need somebody beside you. Elisha, here's my coat. Elisha, let's do this together. By the way, they do. Elisha does twice as many miracles as Elijah. He he has a double portion of the anointing on Elijah. Why? Because he was in community. They were, they were together. It was a you can't do this alone. You're not supposed to walk out of depression by yourself. You're supposed to walk out of it with a brother, an arm around a sister, hand in hand. That's how you step into the light. Bow your heads and close your eyes all over the room. Now, there are people here today who you haven't been here for three weeks, and there are people who saw the whole message series. You know, um, 
You know how you got into this cave. You know how you got depressed. You know what you, you know what took over. You, you know the thing that you're doing. You know the schedule that you're keeping. You know the comparison that's eating you alive. You know how you got into the cave. Now you know how to get out. I'm asking you to take a next step today. I'm asking people in the room today to say yes and step out of the cave. Step into a, a, a needed recovery. Ask God, God, I don't even have enough emotional strength to stand up in church sometimes. God, I'm so beat down by this world. I want to raise my hands, but I don't even know if I can. I'm just not strong. Step into a recovery. You, you may need to step into the presence of God. I'm asking you this week and every day, step into the presence of God that recovers you, that strengthens you, that lifts you. Step into a true identity. God, let me see me like you see me. Today, you may need to step not just into true identity. You, you may need to keep moving forward past the presence of God, past my identity. God, I need an assignment. The Bible says go back the way you came. Go back to, by the way, he went to Beersheba. Beersheba means the place of the oath. It's the place where Elijah first said yes to God. Elijah was on fire. Man, he would do anything for God. He would say yes to any opportunity. I'm telling you, you need to go back the way you came. Get on assignment again. Find mission again. Elijah, you're supposed to be anointing kings. Just get up and go anoint some kings. Just go do what God called you to do. Today you may be trying to do it alone and you need to step into relational strength. And I don't know what you need to do. Nobody's looking around. But if this message is for you and you want to be included in this final prayer, I'm asking you to be so bold to raise your hand and say, it's me. I'm ready to walk out of it today. Come on, hands up if it's you. Hands up are all over the building. If it's you, hands are up all over. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. I'm never going to embarrass you make you come to the front. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. I see you. Now, Jesus, I pray for people who raise their hands and those who didn't have the strength to do that. Who need to walk out of the cave and into the light. I pray for people who are struggling today. I pray against the spirit of depression and anxiety and fear and worry. I pray, God, that they would be so bold, Holy Spirit, to walk into the light. That God, they take these practical tools that I've given them through God's Word and they would walk out of darkness, out of the cave, into the light. I thank you for the power, the victory that belongs to you. In Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit cityhillstx.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.